If you didn't know, if you've been living under a rock, today is Easter. Let's just give Jesus one more big handshake. All right, handshake, hand clap of praise. Amen. We, we declare and, and, and we experience and enjoy that, that promise of faith that says our God, our Savior is alive. The tomb is empty, and because the tomb is empty, there's a promise, there's a hope for each and every single person. Did you know that there's over 4,200 religions in the world, and I, I really don't like that word. If, if you're part of the church and you've been living for God through His Son, Jesus, you know we, we preach relationship, right? But Christianity is a, rela- is a relationship, but, but it is a religion. But out of over 4,200 religions, Jesus... He's the only one that declares an end. Come on, somebody. The end of death, hell, and the grave. He's, he's the promise. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's why Easter is literally like the Super Bowl for churches all across the world. People come out from everywhere to come and experience God's goodness. And so you picked an awesome day to be in church. We're excited that you're here. We're going to be kicking off a brand new sermon series that I'm excited to to dive in with you. We're going to celebrate Easter. We're going to read the Easter story, I promise you. But I'm even more excited to to drill in and drive down that point of if the grave is empty, let's get that title of our message, Miss Tandria. If the grave is empty, there's a promise for each and every single person, right? Jesus came out of the grave. Y'all say it with me? Out of the grave, right? Jesus came out of the grave to promise eternal life to each and every single person. Because he lives, if you read your Bible, there's a promise that you and I can live. And he wants us to not just live in the afterlife, eternal life. He wants us to literally take up joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, love. He wants to resurrect your life every single day, not just on Easter Sunday. He doesn't want you just to come to church on Easter and celebrate that he's resurrected. Did he re- is he resurrected? Is he alive? Yes, you better believe. Why did he do that? To prove that he's the Messiah. But he also did that to set you free. He wants to revive. He wants to resurrect us spiritually. He wants to revive and resurrect us emotionally. He wants to revive and resurrect us physically. He wants to revive and resurrect every relationally, every area of our lives. And so I'm excited to, to talk about that today as we celebrate who our God is on Easter. And for the next few weeks, we'll be on this, this sermon series. And so if you enjoy today, I hope you come back next week as we continue to dive in. But if you brought your Bibles, let's open them together. We'll read the Easter story. Open it to Luke chapter 24. If you didn't bring it, we provide it for you. But we're going to read verses 1 through 9. And before we read this, I just want to invite you and challenge you for a moment, because it is what year? 2023, right? And as we come to church and as we celebrate Jesus, we're thankful and we love God, but this is the problem. We all know the end of the story, right? And we all heard that Jesus loves you. We all heard that he's alive. And so we come in, but we know the end of the story. And so as you read this scripture, I want you to put yourselves in the disciples' shoes. See, they didn't know the end of the story yet. Friday just happened. Three days later, they're still mourning. They're still doubting. They're still, st- still fearful that what happened to Jesus may happen to them. Hey, and so early Sunday morning, this is where we pick up the story. 
Look, it says, but early on Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but, somebody say but. There's a holy but. They didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling white robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces low to the ground. Then the men asked, I love this statement, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why do you come looking in dead spaces for somebody that's not here? Somebody that's living. He says, he isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third day. I bet there was a, a, a moment of awestruck, a moment of clarity, a moment of truth that said, Oh my gosh, Jesus did what he said he would do. Verse 8, then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back. If you're following along in your Bible, I want you to highlight that little phrase today. I want you to underline that little phrase. They rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. If you come to the revelation and if you recognize that Jesus is king, that Jesus is Messiah, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is alive and the tomb is empty, you will find yourself in a rush. Amen. You will find yourself in a rush, a flood of emotions, a rush of joy, a rush of excitement. And guess what else you'll find yourself in a rush of? If Jesus is king, you'll find yourself in a rush. You know what? I got to fix my life. I said, if I know that Jesus is alive and Jesus is the Savior of the world, I need to fix some things in my life. The disciples were in a rush to rush back to tell every single other disciple and every single other person that would sit and listen that Jesus, he's not in the tomb. He's alive. You know what? He might have been telling us the truth that he said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And then the Messiah has rose again. He is alive. They went looking for, a looking for him in a place that stored dead things. And God's a transformer. Did you know that? He's redeemer, but he transforms things. He transformed a place that stores dead things into a place that houses alive things. And without Jesus, every single person, you and me, every single person is walking dead. Walking dead in our sin, in our discouragement, in our judgment. We set ourselves up as God. We tell ourselves that we know better. And if you don't have Jesus, the covering of his lordship over your life, you're walking dead. But I got good news. He wants to revive you and resurrect you because he's alive on Easter. God wants you to celebrate God, his goodness of God, not just on Easter. That promise is for each and every single person. It's for you and for me. So look at that first point for today. If you got an outline, follow along with us. I'll give you the fill in the blanks. And so Jesus rose from the dead. He came out of the grave. The grave is empty because Jesus is alive. The empty grave is an open door. Look at this. I love this. The tomb became a womb. 
I'm going to elaborate on that. Y'all say that with me. The two became a woo. And birthing brand new life. Before I unpackage that thought, I want to just dive into the, 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 the whole point. Our God defeated death, hell, and the grave. The grave could not contain our God, guys. If the grave could not contain your God, stop limiting him over your life. You say, well, God could help that person, but I'm too messed up. Or you know what, I had this chance, and maybe I lost that chance, and my, pa- my time's passed me by. If your God has defeated the grave, he can defeat every battle staring you in the face. He can defeat your doubt. He can defeat your fear. He can defeat anything that the world has to throw at you, anything that Satan has to throw at you, hey, and anything that we talk ourselves into. He defeated the grave so he can defeat anything else that you're going through. You have to trust and you have to have faith because the grave is empty. There's a a promise. There is expectation of life not just better life, but eternal life in the good things. Because Jesus went from death to life, so can we. So can we every single day. And as he did that, he, he opened a spiritual door that will forever be opened until, I say until, he comes back. There is an opportunity every single day as, as, as the revelation of Christ is freely given by God for the world, there's an open door that says if you want to come, see, and experience the Son of God, you can walk through that door. Jesus did that on Easter Sunday, on the first Resurrection Sunday. There's a brand new promise. No longer judged by the law, but by grace, and by mercy, and by love, and by faith. And so there's an open door to anyone. So if you're here today, have you walked through that open door? Anybody walk through that door? If you have, you know the blessing and you know the favor. Now, did your life totally get changed overnight? Probably not. But guess what? You have something set in here, right? You have a promise that lives in here that no one can steal from you. You have a peace in here that no one can steal from you. You walk through the door. You were walking dead, and you walked through the door, and you were living your life, walking dead, stuck in a grave like a tomb. And God, just as he turned Jesus' tomb, he turned your life into a womb. See, a tomb is a place for dead things. A tomb is a monument for things that have passed. A tomb is a place of finality. But what is a womb? Think of a precious mother's womb. It's a, it's a place of hope. It's a place of life. It's a place of promise and future. And God's a redeemer, but he's also a transformer. And he wants to transform your life into a, from a dead thing into an alive thing. So if you feel discouraged, if you feel depressed, God wants you to come out of that grave. He wants you to come out. If you got a neighbor today, if you sit next to somebody, they tell them to say, I'm coming out. If you got two neighbors, tell the other one, I'm coming out. 
Just kick the door open, go through the, I'm coming out. Come on, somebody. I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm not going to live the way the world does. I'm going to be defined by God's word and his promise and what he says about my life and who I am. What he says about my kids and my family and my ministry and my workplace. I'm coming out. And we can come out just like Jesus came out. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. And so we got to see there's a promise and a hope in Jesus, not just on Easter. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, there it is, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He wants to transform your entire life. A new creation through what? Through Jesus, but a new creation through the resurrection power and promise that Jesus made. The resurrection power and promise that Jesus made. He has not withheld anything from you if you by faith come to Jesus. All the good good, I I, I call it that, the good good in heavenly places are yours. Through faith, through obedience. He's purchased that for you. A new creation if you abide in Christ. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all new things, excuse me, all things have become new. So look at that next point. Let's read it together. Look what it says. It says, because Jesus rose from the dead, we can come out of the grave of sin, shame, and sorrow, just like Lazarus. I want to I read some more scripture with you today. If you remember Lazarus. It says, Jesus is calling us to come forth. He desires us to be loosed and let go of the grave clothes that bind us. See, God's calling us forth because there's value in your life. Why did Jesus go to the cross? To prove he's Lord, to prove he's Messiah. But he went to the cross because he died for every single person. There's value in you. There's value in your neighbor And because there's value in you, the enemy hates that about you. And so this is how we live our lives. We do live our lives like in a grave, in a tomb. We live in dead spaces, things that kill, steal, and destroy. They got a grip on us. God's calling us forth into good things, into the promise of God, into thriving with God through relationship. But I got this there's this dynamic, this, they're warring principalities of good and evil that are trying to snatch your life because each and every single person will die. And guess what? Each and every single soul will either, either go to heaven or go to hell, not based on if they're a good person, but based on if Jesus Christ is their Lord Amen. and personal Savior. And so... God's calling you forth. Jesus is saying, come out of the grave. I came out of the grave for you so you can have the freedom to come out of the grave. And what does the devil do? He's holding you. He's saying, no, do you really want to do that? No, keep smoke this. No, no, drink that. No, no, watch this. No, you, you can't live free if you live for Jesus. The only way to live free is to live for Jesus, I'm telling you. I wasn't at it. God set me free from that. He set me free from that. Nothing I did but the power of Christ from God to give me real freedom to say no to the devil and to say yes to God. And so that's the dynamic that we find ourselves in. And just because you're a Christian, just because you're part of the body of Christ, guess what? That battle is still every day. 
You have to start your relationship with the prayer and ask God in his presence to come into your life. Has anybody been born again or saved in this place? Come on, somebody. If that's not you today, I promise you there'll be a moment where you can change your life. And it's, it, that's where the starting place is going to begin. That's where God's going to begin to work and shape your life and to begin to cut away the dead things and strip off the things that so easily entangle us and distract us. And begin to speak truth and to download love and to download peace into your life. Jesus is calling us forth into those things. He's calling us forth into the family of God and into the work of God. Do you have a family of God that you call a home church? Are you a part of a, of a home church? If you are, praise God. If you're not, Jesus Christ may not be your Lord. You can say, well, I can do church at home. You can. You know what? But you need community. You need fellowship to do what God's called you to do. You need relationship with other people to go where God's called you to go. God's called you into relationship, not just with him, but others. So have you walked into that door of church family? Have you, have you been called into the work of the ministry, the work of God? Through his church. How do signs, miracles, and wonders happen? God does them, but guess what? He does them through people, through believers, through those that love. Jesus said, the same works the people that believe me will do. And he even said, even greater things than I did. And I still can't wrap my mind around that. But Jesus, he is not a liar, right? He tells the truth. So Jesus is calling us forth into the family of God. And into the work of God. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that question down. Am I part of the family of God? Do I have a home church? And if you say yes, you checked one box. If you say no, you got work to do. If that's here, we'd love to have you. If it's not, I will find a home church for you. I know a lot of great churches in Coleman, in Marshall County. I know a lot of good pastors. I will do whatever I can to get you plugged in. Get you thriving in the family of God. The next question, am I doing the work of God? If you call Liberty Church your home and you've been coming more than 30 days, are you engaged somewhere on a team? Are you serving with your hands for the kingdom of God? Are you doing something by faith to help build the family of God and to, to make sure that the family of God is, is thriving? Right? Because God is calling us the enemy is trying to bind us. And so as I tell you that, you say, that sounds good. And you go to, man, that means i got to change some things. I don't get to sleep in on Sundays anymore. I ain't going to be able to watch the football game when it starts. That means i got to do this. That means i got to do that. No, that's what you get to do. Because Jesus died for you. And if you say that that's too hard to do, then I would question, do you love Jesus? Amen. Sorry if I stepped on your toes. Ministry is not always rainbows and butterflies. The hardest part of what I do is caring for people. People I love, people that I see going through stuff. It's not easy. It's not fun. But because I love God, I'll do it. Living for God is going to cost you. And shouldn't it? 
He paid everything on the cross for you. Every ounce of energy, every drop of blood so that you could be free. We don't just preach fire insurance at this place. You ain't going to just say a prayer and I'm saved. In re- I don't believe in saying once saved, always saved. It's, you better get saved every single day. Amen. I could have got saved yesterday and I'm cussing like a sailor today. Is Jesus the Lord of your life today? Y'all say that word with me. Today. If he's Lord of your life today, praise God. But today ain't over. There's an opportunity for you to not do what he said or to not go where he's called you to go. Jesus is calling us to come forth, to come out of those dead places, those dead spaces, just like he said to Lazarus. Look at John 11, 43 through 44. Did you know this is a little fun, extra fun fact? Lazarus is the only person in the New Testament described as one of Jesus' friends. Jesus cared about Lazarus. So just as Jesus cared about Lazarus, and this is before Jesus was resurrected on Resurrection Sunday. Just as he cares about Lazarus, he cares about you. Right? Look what it says. And you know, Lazarus was dead for days, it says. He he stunk. Some of us have been dead for years. You have been dead for years, and guess what? Your life stinks. You got things hidden under a rug. You got things hidden in dark places, cracks and crevices. You got secret desires and secret sin that's eating at you and tearing at you. Your life stinks like a dead person. But I say, but there's hope. Jesus is calling you forth to come out of that grave, out of that dead place. Look at verse 43. It says, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. You put your name in there. Come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes on. And his face was wrapped in a cloth. Just think, that would be kind of creepy. That would be kind of creepy if you really read the text. He was literally dead. But the voice of God in one statement, one sentence. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. If you're here today, I want to take the authority that God has given me as the pastor of Liberty Church. I want to speak and declare life over you. Loose him and her and let them go in Jesus' name. If you receive it, say amen. Amen. If Jesus speaks, loose and let him go, you got a decision to make. But Jesus has already done the hard part for you. All you got to do is get up and go. So get up. And go and have faith. I know you got a lot of unanswered questions. You got a lot of doubts about all these things going on. If you can trust and believe, it'll work out for your good. If you can trust and believe, God will lead you. Right? Just think of that statement that Jesus said, loose him and let him go. The Jesus' response to death, hell, and the grave today over your life is to loose him and let him go. Today, God wants you to come out of your grave So what is holding you today? What is, see, you know, a grave has a grip. The grave's got a grip, y'all. It could be addiction. It could be, it could be lust. It could be the spirit of mammon chasing money. The grave has a grip. 
But Jesus has the final say. So if something's got a grip on you, declare that name Jesus. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. God, loose me. Let me go from this thing. See, you got to want God more than you got to want the thing. See, we live in a world where we worship things. Mm, somebody said, mm. put that in the chat. Mm. Hey, and I'm guilty. I'll raise both my hands. It is hard to live today without putting things before God. And I fail over and over again. And when I come to Revelation and I, and I have that wake-up moment, I say, God, forgive me. You're more important than this. You're more important than this social media. You're more important than this TV show, than this movie. You're more important than work. You're more important, I, I don't even want, it's hard to say, than family. But, but it does go God and family. The best thing you can do for your family is to serve God. And so, is something Lord of your life? If so, it's in God's place. I got good news. You can, re you can redeem that today. And you can say, God, forgive me. I want to put you in your rightful place. On Resurrection Sunday, I need you to resurrect my life. Resurrect my eyes. See, I was spiritually dead and going to hell. I was spiritually blind. But praise God, I'm, I'm alive and I can see now. When he revives you, the things that you're spiritually dead to, now you can see. Now you can sense. Now you can feel. Because God wants you to come out. we got to take those dead grave clothes off. Look at the next point. Think of this. Salvation is actually resurrection. You can't be saved with you if you're not first resurrected. Jesus couldn't have been resurrected if he didn't first die. All of us are going to one day die. But Jesus told Nicodemus to be, to, to be uh, born of God, you must first be, you need to be reborn. You need to be spiritually reborn. And he said through the baptism of water. And we also need to be spiritually reborn from baptism through a place of faith where we're spirit, we were spiritually dead and now I'm spiritually alive. Salvation is resurrection. Everyone needs Jesus because everyone apart from him is dead in their sin. Everyone can have life because Jesus rose from the dead. I've heard it once said that Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to bring dead men to life. Amen. I'm speaking to y'all ladies too. You know you're included in that. Right? Dead men and dead women to life. See, I think much of the world looks at the church and they judge us so much. And, and a lot of even Christians think if I, if I begin this relationship with God, then my life will just get fixed or I can become a better person. Jesus didn't die so you can become a better person. Apart from Christ, there is no good in you. You are spiritually dead apart from Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine of life. You are merely the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Do you have spiritual fruit in your life? If you have no spiritual, I say spiritual fruit, a ministry, things you are doing for God, then you're probably spiritually dead because you're not a part of Christ. And that's another thing we can get out of whack. Well, I'm serving God. I got all this fruit. God didn't do the, God didn't save or redeem you so yet you can show off for people. He saved you because you were dead, cut off from the vine. He says, I cut the dead branches and put them on the fire. 
And if you're apart from Christ, that's where you're going to go, the eternal lake of fire. He died so that he could be abiding in the vine of life. So that you can bear fruit, so that you can be a part of God. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, he has a say in your life. He has a say in your life because you're connected to the vine of life. There's this dynamic. I, I want to do what God says. I want to go where, where God calls me to go, and I have a choice to make. And if I disobey what God has said, am I a part of the vine? It's a daily question we need to ask ourselves. Am I king, am I king of my life, or is Jesus king of my life? Look at Romans 5, 17. They're 21. It says, for the sin of this one man, he's talking about Adam. I, I love this passage of scripture. If you want to highlight this whole thing and do some deeper studying this week on your own in your quiet time, it would be very beneficial for you. But look how he breaks this down, Paul does, in the letter of Romans. He says, for the sin of one man, Adam, right? When Adam, sinned, Adam and Eve sinned against God, there was no sin in the world before they made the choice. We're talking about making a daily choice. When sin entered the world, through their bad choice, it was passed down to each and every single person. Sin entered the world. And so look what he says. Adam caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. And this is what I love. Lean in, look at verse 19. Look what this says. If you want to highlight this for your own benefit, you can. He says, because one person disobeyed God. Think of that thought. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made Righteous, can I get an amen? God said, yeah, y'all messed up. The world messed up. Children, my children all over the world messed up. They chose sin over me. They chose their path over my path, but I'm going to send my son to redeem your choices, to redeem your hearts, to redeem your habits, to redeem your life because of the choice of one man, my son Jesus, there'll be righteousness. Righteousness will be available for those who believe. Let's skip to verse 21. Look what it says. It says, So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as we're sitting here on Easter Sunday celebrating God for who he is, what Jesus did conquered death, hell, and the grave, conquered sin, sorrow, self, Satan, well, we still find ourselves in the battle of decision-making. We're no different than Adam and Eve. We all have a decision to make every day. Today, make this your prayer. Let God transform your disobedience into obedience. The Bible says faith without works is dead. If you don't have any obedience behind of that confession of that thing that you say you believe, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. That's, that's just part of the, the pie. See, real faith says if I believe, then his spirit will manifest into changing the way that I live. You have to believe, and then you have to get to stepping. You have to begin to let God 
move into your life and begin to crop those dead branches, those dead relationships. Some of us need to let God cut away some relationships that ain't good for us. And you won't be able to fully live and give your life to God as long as these bad relationships exist. And cut away these other things that are killing, stealing, and destroying. Let God, just as he transformed death, the promise of eternal life to all those who believe and do the works of his son, let him transform your faith into a place of obedience. Hey, and I'm not saying that means you're going to do the, the exact right thing every single day. It's the motive in your heart. We're all going to fall. But when you fall, how do you respond? And when you fall, is there a repentance? It says, God, I'm so, I done messed up. I done missed it. I'm sorry. Repentance, real sorrow for your actions. Real sorrow for your words. Real sorrow for the way you treat people. And then do you get up? And, and know that when he forgives you, he forgives you. Some of y'all just got to receive his forgiveness and get up and go. It says he casts our sins as far away as from the east as from the west. That, that, that crazy heavenly place in space, God cast your sins. But there has to be a genuine heart and a motive that says, I, I want to live for you, God. And that's how God responds to his children and moves on our behalf. Look at that last point for today as we wrap up. Y'all enjoying this so far? Getting something? I hope something I said makes sense. Sticks to you today. We're going to dive even deeper next week. So if you enjoyed today, come back and see us next week. But look at this last, part, this last point for today as we get ready to, to dismiss. So Jesus died and rose again to set us free from the power of sin and to, to loose us. You got to let God loose you. He has the power. You got to let him loose you. He did what we ourselves couldn't do. Jesus live, gives us what we couldn't earn, and he empowers us to live a life we couldn't live. Amen. He has called us out of the grave. Say this with me. I'm coming out. Yeah. Say it again. I'm coming out. Yeah. Praise God. Put that in the chat. I'm coming out. You got to stop trying to save yourself because you can't. You cannot save yourself. You can read as many earthly books as you want. It's not going to work. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, if you deny me in front of man, I will deny you in front of my Father and his heavenly hosts. A decision has to be made. Then I have to have the faith to go and let God do and, and, and the, the easiest thing for you to do is, is to stop trying to do it yourself. Something really amazing happens when you come to the revelation that I'm not God. Amen. When you come to the revelation and you say, I am not God, something breaks. It's the yoke of bondage. Amen. And then when you surrender that lordship to him, all you got to do is get out of the way. And let God do his job. Amen. Stop trying to do his job. You can't do it. That's why Jesus came. So let him do his job. And as he does his job, he'll give you little jobs. And guess what? He won't leave you or forsake you. 
He'll equip you with the right tools, right relationships, the right things. One of the main things he's going to equip you with is this, the B-I-B-L-E. If you love Jesus, are you reading his word every day? That would be a good step one. If I don't know my next decision, I don't know my next choice, you need to pray before you read his word. And when you pray and read his word, I bet probably something you need to make a decision you'll get from your quiet time. It's being available. See, we're available to all sorts of stuff. I'm available to Instagram, Facebook. I don't do TikTok. I got rid of that. About to get rid of Facebook and Instagram too, to be honest. We're available to all sorts of place, people, places, and things. And you can't read your word for five minutes. You're blessed with 24 hours every single day. 365 days every single year. That's if you get to see tomorrow. I said if. None of us think we're going to die. It ain't going to happen to me. Yeah, it is. And guess what? When that happens, your story's been wrote. You had one shot. Is he Lord of your life? I want to leave you with one last scripture. Romans, we'll stay in Romans. Look at it. 8, 1 through 3. It says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You know, condemnation and conviction are two different things. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's hope in that. It convicts me when I do wrong, when I say wrong. Now, condemnation means there's no hope for you. It says that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So as we get ready to leave today, I want to ask you this question. Do you belong to God? Does he know you? Of course, he knows you. It says that he formed a fashion in his mother's womb. But does he know you? Are you available? Do you give him permission to come into those dark places that you have? Do you give him permission to come into those dark thoughts that you have? Those dark desires? Because if you are holding this, these, these doors of life, so to speak, you think they're hidden, but he knows they're there. He just wants you by faith to give him permission to come in. And if you daily allow him permission to have free access to your life, your heart, your mind, your decisions, and your words, guess what that means? That mean, means you belong to him. That means you abide in Christ. That means he has a say in your life. He has a say in what you say. He has a say in what you post. He has a say in where you go. Because you belong to him. Now, if you belong to him, I hope you do. You know what that means. Nobody can steal that from you. What I want to do is, can we get the lights dimmed down? I want you all to join me in prayer. If you're here today and you do not belong to Jesus, 
He came to purchase your life. He doesn't want to just change your life. He wants to resurrect your life. We all have dead things in our life, and God wants to breathe on them today. And he doesn't want to have a say in your life just so he can tell you what to do. He doesn't want to just be your boss. He wants to be your father. I'm a father, and if you're a father or mother, you know you get on your kids, and it's not because you just want to be boss. It's because you love them. And you see what they don't see, right? You see the danger in the choices that they make and the danger in the things that they want to do. They don't see that it's going to hurt them. And so these things that we're going to give a funeral to here in a few moments, you're going to think that, that, that it's something that maybe you need or something you don't want to let go of. I want you to know if God says no, it's because he loves and he cares. And so if you want to make a decision today for Christ, if you say, I want to belong to Christ, I want to have a family home, I want to have a, a church family, I, I want Jesus Christ to move into my life, into my heart, then I want you to do something for me. Don't worry, no one's looking at you. You've got all, all heads bowed and all eyes closed. If you want to belong to Jesus on Easter Sunday, I want you just to stand right now if you can. If you can't stand, I want you to raise your hand up high. Don't be shy. Hands going up. If you want to stand for Jesus, to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, praise God, there's people standing. Don't be shy. Jesus said, if you deny me in front of man, I will deny you in front of my Father, heavenly hosts. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat. Say, hey, I'm making that prayer. I'm making that decision. I want to make Jesus Christ my personal Lord and Savior. Just a few moments. A few moments. It could be the beginning of your relationship with God today. Amen. We had some folks standing, so I'm going to lead us all in a prayer today. I want you to repeat after me. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We believe in you. We confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. And send your Holy Spirit to lead my life until you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. A couple salvations in the house today. Amen. Heaven rejoices and we rejoice. Before we're dismissed, I want to first just say thank you guys so much for coming. Hope you come back and see us next week.